everybody. <clears throat> Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Let's give the Lord some praise. your neighbor on the back and say, I love you, love you, love you, love you. I tell you, that brother Dylan, that brother Dylan, that brother Dylan is on fire. Wow. When his wife was a little bitty girl, preaching not too far from Brother Copeland, and he came over on a Monday night and said, Brother Gidrose, how much money would I have to give you to preach that sermon at my church Wednesday night? I said, just give me a bed to sleep in tonight, because I was packed up in my little pickup, and I was ready to roll back home. And so Olivia and her sister had to go sleep in the, on the couch, and I got to sleep in their bed. Oh, I've known them, and they're so precious, the Copelands, and I'm glad to see Dylan, glad he's in the family. And to see all of you this morning, see our pastor, Bishop Charles Stevens. Isn't it great to see this? He's feeling, looking so good. Amen. For five years, I was honored to get to sit on the district board with him, and he's such a man of character and principle, and integrity. You've been blessed down through the years to have an incredible pastor that loved you more than he loved himself and loved Austin, the souls of men. And we honor you this morning, Bishop, so much. His, uh, his life is so meaningful. Then I give honor to our blessed pastor, Brother Kurt Green. Oh, my. Oh, my. This church is so blessed that God has brought you, Kurt and Lori. They're just two of the finest, most dedicated uh, I've ever met. And we were at their house last night and had supper. And when we left, I told Jerry, and I said, that's the three most well-behaved children I've ever been with. They are so well-behaved. And y'all tell your daddy and mama that whenever you're not being too good, just tell them, Brother Gidrow said, I'm good. Precious, precious. And and uh, Aspen uh, drew a portrait of my wife last night. And it was, look here, Aspen. You drew a picture. And I want Sister Gidrow to give you some more blessings <clears throat> because of that. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. I, I am so uh, thankful for the conviction ministry of Brother Green. He is not going to let us sit still, drift along, and just be uh, docile. This church is going to be alive. It's going to be reaching, worshiping, giving. The whole spectrum of Christianity is going to continue what 
what Bishop Stevens began, he's going to carry it through all the way to the rapture, folks, and that shouldn't be very long. So don't get tired now. Come on, don't get tired now, folks. This is the last mile of the journey. Amen, amen, amen. I don't see a clock in this church, and uh, I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Y'all live in eternity? <laughs> Amen. Uh, Patsy Huntley spoiled me several years ago. I was preaching too long every night at Brother Huntley's church. and Finally, she said, well, Ronnie, if I'm wanting more, it's not too long. So y'all forgive me, okay? I know you're not telling me what Patsy told me. But I do want to give you a word from the Lord this morning. And I believe God's going to use this for this church's future. This church is going to have to expand, keep growing, keep uh, reaching. Can you say amen? amen? And God's going to keep blessing so you can bless. God blesses you so you can bless the church, so the church can bless the kingdom and bring back the king. That's all it's about. And so this morning, in the name of the Lord, I'm going to preach to you a message entitled, don't play Monopoly with God. And Monopoly is one of my favorite games. How many of you like to play Monopoly? <clears throat> You'd probably love to play Monopoly with me because I'm always the banker. And everybody gets $500 every 15 minutes from the bank. So you're never broke, and the game goes on all night. Just teasing. Everybody say amen. amen. I'm reading from Psalms chapter 24 and verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Father, Father, Holy Father, I humble myself to you this morning. I come to this pulpit like I'm coming to my altar, and I give myself totally to this church and to these people and to you, Lord. And I pray that in Jesus' name, the greatest anointing that we've ever enjoyed would come upon all of us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord again? Let's give them a, a round of a praise. You, you may be seated. In the very beginning of God's thinking about the creation, God wanted to create the earth so that it could sustain the creatures like you and me, gave us enough oxygen, nitrogen, and moisture, sustenance. He gave us enough oil, gave us enough... Uh, soil and fish, food. He's a great majestic creator. Can you say amen? When God was thinking up all of those great ideas and he was about to create the universe, our God, he had to think of what is he going to build this great universe around. And in his mind, 
our God thought of the, uh, the planet Earth, and he laid it out. And when he laid it out, he laid it out with an epicenter. And my dad taught me that whenever you lay out the geography of planet Earth, that the very center piece of, of the, uh, the planet was Calvary, was Mount Moriah, was Jerusalem. And if you, if you could lay out the geography, you'd find right in the center is Jerusalem. And Revelation 13 and 8 states, from the foundation of the world, that when he created the world, that in his mind, in his mind, he saw a cross. And in his mind, he saw his only begotten son hanging on that cross as a sacrifice. He didn't create this universe happenstance. He is not a happenstance God. He, is not, he doesn't work out of his hip pocket. He is a designer. He is an architect. He has everything patterned out. He's not playing games. This is not a joke. This is an eternal existence, an eternal program, an eternal plan. And so in the mind of God, he saw, he saw an altar. He saw sacrifice. And David said the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite spirit. Our God is a sacrificer. Don't think that God's going to lay something on you that he doesn't uh, conduct himself as himself. He's not going to give you something to do that he won't do. He won't sacrifice. He wants to sacrifice as a pattern to show you what he has in his mind. And so our God created an epicenter, a fulcrum, a centerpiece, a focal point, and he created the whole universe around the cross. And the cross, Jesus, he, he patterned his life. He lived around the cross. His whole 33 years was, I'm going to the cross. I've got my, my mind set toward Jerusalem like a flint. I'm going to the cross. The cross was his focal point. The cross was his altar. And the altar of God, he said, if you follow me, come follow me. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to have an altar. And your, your cross is your altar. I have a sister making me a, a, a little quilt that I can uh, lay down on wherever I'm praying. And uh, it's, a, it's a, a little quilt that, that has uh, the earth, it has the planet, and then, and then it has a red cross. And when I lay on that, on, that, on that altar, whenever I'm praying, I can keep myself reminded that I do have an altar. I do have a cross. And my cross is my altar. Come on. My cross is my altar. It's not something I carry that's a heavy burden. My cross is my altar. It's my place where I can go and kneel and seek the face of God. And I can seek first the kingdom of God. Every day, whenever we start our day with prayer, it's always you kneel and you pray at the altar and remind God that everything I have belongs to you. Everything I am is yours. I'm building my life not around my, my own pride of life, my own accomplishments, 
my own education. I'm building it around you. You are my altar, and I am totally surrendered, and I have to die daily. I crucify myself all day long. I'm on the cross. I've got to live on the cross. If I walk with him, I've got to die to my flesh, to myself. Anybody with me this morning? Everybody say, if I'm going to follow him, I've got to have my cross. I've got to have my altar. I've got to have my place where every day I yield everything to him. I submit everything to him. Can you shout hallelujah? Come on, shout hallelujah. And so God called a man by the name of Abraham. And Abraham was a man that God had blessed. He was in, and I preached this to you a few years ago, that at, at the quarry uh, in Ur, where he worked with his father Terah, in that, in that quarry, he saw his father digging roots here on earth, making plans here on earth to accomplish enough money, uh, acquire it to have a palace and, and enjoy the pleasures of life. And Abraham, his son, could not uh, attach himself to that spirit. And I believe somewhere in that quarry, little, little Abraham found a place where he would go and pray and remind God, now, Lord, I'm not like my daddy. My daddy's an idolater. My daddy's making altars. My daddy's got an idle, idle business. And idolatry is the worst sin that any person can commit. Come on. That's why we don't have heroes in our life but Jesus. We don't have sports heroes. We don't have icons. We're not worshiping people that are movie stars and that are politicians, and we love them all. We love them all. But our, our, our whole life is focused on worshiping him. We have come to worship him. We have come to praise him. We've come to put everything aside but him. He is number one in our life. He is the centerpiece of our life. He is the fulcrum of our life. In him we live and move and have our being. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Come on, everybody. What a shout. Stand up right now and just shout. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Everything is secondary. Everything is down the road. I am living for him. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I don't belong here. This is not where my roots are. This is not where my dreams are. This is not where my affection is. We do not love this world. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. I want you to raise your hand to give God all the praise right now. Give him all the praise for me to live as Christ. <laughs> holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Power of God. You can receive the Holy Ghost while I'm preaching here this morning. You can be healed while I'm preaching here this morning. Come on, somebody help me. You, you can be satisfied while I'm preaching here this morning. You can settle the major issues of your life while I'm preaching here this morning. God has enough power in this room to heal every sickness in everybody. 
Praise his name. Praise his name. I said it's flowing here this morning. There's a river of life flowing in this room this morning. Somebody's going to get new life, new purpose, new focus, new objectivity, new perception, new meaning. Lord, obsess me with the cross this morning. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Let me talk a little bit about Abraham. You may be seated. Abraham was in that quarry, and God spoke to Terah. God spoke to Abraham, leave this place. And so they started marching. They went to Haran. And uh, it doesn't say in the Bible that in the quarry that he told Isaiah, look back, go look in the pit. Isaiah, bring the Israel back to the pit. That's where I dug y'all out of, out of that quarry of idolatry. And go look in that pit and see where I delivered you from. And, and so God, I, I don't know that there's an altar, but I, I can't help but believe in the pattern of Abraham's life that there wasn't some kind of kneeling place for Abraham in that quarry where he reminded God, God, I'm looking for a city. I'm not going to live down here on this earth just for all this material stuff. I'm not going to let the spirit of the world that's to eat, drink, and be merry and have a good time and get, get, possession, possession. Stack it up. Don't outlive your money. Make sure you don't outlive your money. You got you to gotta build it up. You got to save, save, save. Isn't it amazing that all those college graduates from Harvard and Stanford and, and the great universities of the world can go to Congress, and they don't even know how to balance their own checkbook? Huh? I can't imagine them getting us trillions of dollars in debt whenever that's, you don't live off of debt. I, I'm not making fun of them. I'm just, I can't rationalize the carnality of the world. That is the carnality of the world. It's money, 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 money. I, I had a fear. I was living, uh, V.A. Gidrose, my father, and he he taught me that when he was just a little kid and God called him to preach, he was in the swamps of Louisiana. He had rotten teeth and, and the God called him and he, he started reading the Bible day and night. He'd get under the cover with a, with a lamp, a, a gas lamp, and his dad would get so mad at him because he would read that Bible by that lamp under cover because he didn't want to get a whipping from his daddy because he was staying up too late. And, 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 and my dad said, Ronnie, all my life, I have not lived for money. Money is not the centerpiece of my life. And he said, my mother took me to the train station when I went to preach my first revival. And she gave me a sock at the train. She said, Navali, Vali, this sock has $11 in it. That money I made from selling eggs. And, and she said, Navali, I want you to promise mother that you'll never preach for money. He is out going to preach his first little sermon. And he said, Mama, I promise I promise, Mother, I promise. And he said, Ronnie, when I was in the 30s, my ministry was just everywhere booming. And I was riding trains all over America in New York, Florida. I was in California. And he said, Ronnie, he said preachers would, would call me or they'd, they'd uh, a Western Union, Brother Gidwood, if you'll come preach, we'll give you so much a week. And it was mammoth. He said, I'm not coming. They said, why? 
He said, because you offered me money, and I don't live by money, and I promised my mother I'd never preach for money, so I'm not coming to preach for you. He taught me all of my life, don't fall in love with money. Don't love money. Don't love the world. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. I was raised in that kind of mentality. I was raised in that. I had a pastor for 54 years, Brother Kilgore. I got his picture here on my portfolio as I preached to you this morning. Pastor Kilgore, he said, if James and Imogene have it and Jesus needs it, Jesus gets it. And at his funeral, his own son said, my dad died broke. Jerry and I went to see him on Saturday before he fell on Sunday, never woke up. And he wanted some, uh, he wanted some lobster bisque. So I gave him a $50 bill to get some lobster bisque. He went to get lobster bisque and, and fell and never woke up. And, and he, but he died broke. But last year they took a poll at our general conference. What preacher... Would you like to spend the two hours with, if you could? And all the preachers at General Conference, most of them said, James L. Kilgore. When you live for yourself, people forget you. But when you live for him, they never forget you. The Holy Ghost is in this house. Somebody receive the Holy Ghost. Come on, just raise your hands. Receive you the Holy Ghost. preach a few minutes about Abraham. Abraham and his father, they made a little trek 600 miles to Haran. When they got to Haran, you know what Abraham did? Abraham built him an altar. He built him an altar when he got to Haran. And then Abraham, he, uh, he, uh, he went to uh, Shechem. What did he do in Shechem? He built him an altar, a place to kneel, a place to put it all on that altar. I don't have anything that's mine. It's all yours. I'm passing through. My roots are not down here. My roots are in heaven. My master's in heaven. My conversation's in heaven. My treasure's in heaven. And then Abraham, he went to from Shechem, he went to Bethel. Guess what he did in Bethel? He built an altar. Guess what he did when he went to Hebron? He built an altar. And God made him rich. Have you read it? It's in the Bible. He didn't make himself rich. He didn't make enough uh, idols to make trillions of dollars. God made him rich. Camels, mules, sheep, gold, silver. He must have had chariots full of gold and silver. And when he was walking through the country, the whole, all of his entourage, it must say, Bulls, camels. I've been to Israel four times, and that same old camel will spit on you every time you go to see him. 
I don't want a bunch of camels. Abraham had camels <laughs> and sheep. Come on. Thousands and thousands of sheep. But when Abraham got to his altar, it all belonged to the Lord. I can just see Abraham kneeling down. Would y'all shut up so I can pray? <laughs> would y'all get back? So get, would y'all get those camels back? Here's Abraham. God made him rich. And then God conquered five cities, Caldemar, and guess what happened? He raked up all of the wealth of those five cities and put it right in the pocket of old Abraham. Jingle, jingle, ching, ching, ching. Everybody say ching, ching. I mean, he had all the money of all the slot machines in, in Las Vegas. He had all. Everybody say he was the richest man, probably the richest man that ever lived was Abraham. But none of it was his. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, folks. Isaac lived the same way. Jacob lived the same way. They picked up from their sacrificial heart, God-fearing-hearted dad, how to live. Live with everything in the hands of the Lord. Everybody say, no sticky fingers. <laughs> this morning I found in, in my notes, I found uh, some tithing from somebody in a church we'd preached for and they took up an offering and somebody put cash tithing in an envelope and put it in my, in my offering on the altar then, then the churches and, and another check. And I told Jerry, I said, Jerry, this is not ours. This is tithing. This is from them. I got to send this back. No, everybody say no sticky fingers. Come on, what doesn't belong to you, it doesn't belong to you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And God's not wanting everybody to be broke. He's not wanting everybody to be poor. He wants you to live the abundant life. But live the abundant life with no sticky fingers. Love not the world. That is not yours. Nothing is mine. Everybody say hallelujah. Abraham, when God blessed him with five cities plus all that he had, can you imagine how in the world with all that money he could even... Even have enough strength to carry to that altar. And when Abraham got to that altar, everything was his. And he said, Now, God, I'm going to do the first, I'm going to, I'm going to send you back one tenth of what you have given and blessed me with. And Abraham wrote his first tithing check. He wrote it probably $10 billion to God and said, I'm, I'm going to give you one tenth. Nobody coached him. Nobody prompted him. Nobody, no, no Sunday school teacher, no pastor, nobody. Everybody say nobody. No prophet, no TV evangelist. Everybody say 10 
billion bucks. And then signed it, A-B-B-E, and, and he sent it by Melchizedek up to the throne of God. And God said, Abraham, I'm not going to keep that. That is, the, that is uh, I, I, what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to give it back to you. But when I do, it's going to be, it's going to be multiplied. I, I never keep what you give me. I always multiply it and give it back to you. Because I am not a consumer. I don't need this $10 billion so I can go to Hawaii on a vacation. I'm not going to save it in for educating my, my grandchildren. I am gonna, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to return it back to you. Oh, what a good God we serve. Can somebody shout hallelujah? God doesn't need our tithing. God doesn't need our offerings. But we need to let God know that it's not going to, we don't have sticky fingers. It's not going to stay in my bank account. When you give me, Lord, I'm going to return. I'm going to honor you. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And I'm not going to steal what belongs to the Lord. If you keep your tithe, you have stolen from the Lord. He said in Malachi, you have robbed me. How do we rob you? In tithe and offerings. Come on. Are we going to believe the whole Bible or just part of it? Somebody shout hallelujah. And so Abraham, when he brought all of that, and he brought his tithing check to that altar, uh, God blessed him. Everybody say, God blessed him. God prospered Abraham. God prospered Abraham. Abraham was the richest man that ever lived. And here he was. I, I need a, Brother Hustle, come up here and be my valet, will you? Hold this microphone. Everybody say money. money. Come on, money. money. Money, money, money. Just keep it in my mouth, if you will. Money, money. Everybody say money, money, money. That's what's so much fun about Monopoly. And then you got houses. Everybody say houses. Hotels. Hotels. Uh, and you got uh, money. And you get a get out of jail free pass. <laughs> I need that one. I drive too fast. I got four tickets in two months. Don't tell anybody. Everybody say money, money, money. Mm -hmm. Money. Houses. Houses. When Abraham went to his altar, now remember one time Moses came down from the mountain, had the Ten Commandments, the most important documents that God ever wrote with his own finger. No nation has ever been able to survive that didn't go by the Ten Commandments. No matter what God they believe in, they can't survive without the Ten Commandments. And whenever he came down, they were naked around a golden calf, three million of them, dancing. And he said, my, I've been on the mountain. Look what I've got for you to live by so you can have a relationship with him. And all you're doing is honky-tonking. Oh. 
All you're doing is catwalking. All you're doing is Jezebeling. It's time to pray, folks. Oh, no, no. It's time to love into women. It's like a ball and chain. The pleasure ain't worth the pain. They were singing all kind of kooky stuff. Y'all all right? Can I have a little bit of fun? He said, whenever... It's time to pray. You want to play. You're just playing games. And I'm trying to save you. You can't live in idolatry and be saved. You got to come out from among them. Come on, folks. There's a price to be paid. You've got to live holy. You got to live separate. We're not like the world in any sense of the word. Anybody say hallelujah? hallelujah. I, I love to play Monopoly. And uh, I can just see old Abraham. When he went to his altar, he carried all of his houses. Everybody say all of his houses, all of his cattle. You know? You got to know when to hold them. Everybody say, all of my money, all of my houses, all of my cars, all of my farm equipment, everything has got Jesus' name on it. Come on. And, you know, here, Jerry and I, we have a little house. Ronald Leslie Gidros and Jerry Ann Gidros, Jesus. He owns it all, folks. Because if you think he doesn't, you think of what you've got is going to just keep me happy. Anyway. He took it over to his altar, said, here I am, Lord. And, and God watched him. He knelt at that altar. And when he knelt and he gave his tithe to the Lord, and God said, Abraham, there's one more thing I want from you. What is it, Lord? I want Isaac. I want your family. I want, I want him on this altar here. You see, the sacrifices of God, he built your life around sacrifice, not about getting, gaining, accumulating. So Abraham went and got his son, and when he got Isaac, he laid him on that altar. He had already given God all of his money, given God the tithing. Everybody say, praise the, praise the Lord. Now he wanted Isaac. 
And when he, Lord, he, he was such a miracle. My wife was 100 years old and got pregnant. Lord, and here it is. You want me to give him? You said through him all nations be blessed. I want him. But really, God wanted Abraham on that altar. And so he, 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 he laid Isaac, and when he did, God said, okay, now I know. Now I know. I know you, boy. I know your heart. I know your life. And Abraham... He had enough money to build. You can hold it up for me. He had enough money to build a, a mansion bigger than the Mall of America. We saw it last Sunday. We were preaching in Minneapolis last Sunday. And, and, and he could have built a mansion bigger than the Mall of America. Bigger than Gates and all of the billionaires in the world put together. But Abraham lived the richest man in the world that could have been a city. He could have built a nation. He could have built an air force. He could have built a capital. He could have been built a whole nation. He had the money. He could have lived in the opulence. But he chose to dwell in a tent. in a tent 100 years. He lived in a tent. He had a different perspective on life. He lived in the eternal. I'm not looking for a palace down here. I'm not looking for Rolls Royces all lined up. And so, he lived in the tent. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now let's talk about one more rich man before I close. And his name was Solomon. And Solomon, he was supposed to be the wisest man that ever lived, right? Wasn't so smart. Second chapter of Ecclesiastes, you ought to read it every Every month in your Bible study, you ought to read it. He said, there is nothing that I will not, that I will deprive myself of. Because I am so wealthy that I can surround myself with opulence, with mirth and laughter. I can have all of the big comedians every night at my palace. I can have all of the folly, all of the wine, and a thousand women. Can you imagine 700 wives and 300 concubines and having 700 mother-in-laws? Yeah. Dylan, Dylan got a mother-in-law. <laughs> Melody is mom-in-law dealer. Imagine, 700 mother-in-laws. And every other day, the priest would, here's, here's old Solomon. Solomon, do you take this blonde-haired lady to be your wife? I do. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Going to the chapel. Come back on Thursday. 
Solomon, you take this black-headed lady to be your wife? I do. On Saturday, Solomon, you take this red-headed lady to be your wife? I do. 700 women. You know how big my head would have had to been to handle that many women? Bigger than the state of Texas. Solomon, he had gardens, flowers, pools of water, trees, great possessions, cattle, silver, gold, treasures. When Queen of Sheba came to see him and she saw the gold sparkle, she passed out. I mean, she went, she fainted. Singers, orchestras, bands. He had all, he said, there was nothing I deprived myself of. Buddy, I had every kind of singer you could imagine. Every kind of entertainer. But he said, I was a fool. Solomon tried to figure it all out. God gave him supernatural wisdom. But he couldn't figure it out. That life is not in the abundance of things that man possesses. That's not what life is about. The abundance of things that we possess. But everything I am gathering is just going to be added to God's fire pile. Because the earth is going to melt with a fervent heat. It's already on fire. The volcanoes prove that the belly of the earth is crumbling. The earth is going to pass away with a great noise and melt with a fervent heat. So everything I have is just stack it up. Stack it up. Because when God starts burning... It's going to all burn up. Can somebody shout hallelujah? hallelujah? Am I doing all right? Not messing up your mind? Come on, shout hallelujah. <laughs> God built the Old Testament faith in Abraham. He built the New Testament church on the faith of Abraham. He kept dragging it over. Paul, he drug it over. We live by the faith of our father Abraham. Abraham had it figured out, Brother Hudson. He had it figured out. Everybody say, Solomon didn't have it figured out. Hey, look here. One man told God, he said, Now, God, look at my barns. These are my barns, Lord. I've got so much corn. I'm the best. I'm the best corn crop raiser in this whole country. I got more corn. I can't. I don't. My barns are so full. I got to tear them down and build bigger barns. And Jesus said, "Wait a minute, buddy. Those aren't your barns. Those are my barns. You're just a steward. You're just a caretaker." You're just a custodian. You're taking care of mine. The earth is mine. 
I'll let you take care of it, but it's not yours. Don't go to hell over it. Don't lie to yourself. Y'all okay? Am I messing up your mind? These are my barns. <laughs> no, they're not your barns. In fact, I'm killing you tonight, you little sucker. You're not going to make it. Because those aren't yours. You're deceived. Another guy. Lord, look at my, look at my monopoly, Lord. And the Lord said, <clears throat> I want you to sell all of it and give it to the poor. Just give it to that guy on the street. Give it to that guy. We've got one in Galveston. He is almost purple. He's got so many tattoos. Begging, begging. He said, just give it out. Just give it away. Because it's not yours. It's not yours. Oh, I can't do that because I'm rich. Let me explain something to you, okay? You look me right in the eye. You just lost 100 Monopoly games because no man, having left houses, lands, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, for my sake or the gospel, will not give, will I not give him in this life 100 fold. And in the world to come, eternal life, eternal life. Everybody say Solomon. He was all messed up. He was all messed up. He didn't know how to hold them and he didn't know how to fold them. He loved himself. And his name is not in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. He built a golden temple. Look at this big temple, Lord. And God looks down on a sunny day and sees that gold. Had to put on his sunglasses. It's so bright. Oh, I built you a temple. I, I'm not wanting you to build me a temple, Solomon. I want you to be a temple. Oh, but when we dedicate this temple, we're going to have 12,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. He said, we'll move the altar over the side because there's not enough. That fire that's going to fall is too big for that altar. And God did not want a golden temple. He did not want a crystal cathedral. He wanted sacrifice. And blood flowed out like a river. Because when I see the blood, I will pass the judgment over you. Can somebody shout hallelujah? hallelujah. Somebody say praise the, praise the Lord. Am I messing up your mind? Y'all okay? Just a minute. Solomon. Everybody say Solomon. Solomon. He, he, he lived a dizzy life. He, he, he couldn't figure it out. But Abraham had perspective. Abraham understood that it's better for me to live in a tent for a hundred years 
no matter who made fun of me, no matter who said what. Because I've got an understanding that I'm not looking for a city. This earth is not my, my home. I'm passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. It would be better for us to be a homeless saved person than a rich lost person. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Let me tell you this. Abraham had it figured out. Because every soul that leaves planet earth headed for the throne goes first to Abraham's bosom. You come through this mentality, the tent mentality was the spirit of his life. In 15 minutes, he could pull up stakes and, fall, and, 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 and move with the spirit. Come on. Everybody puts such deep roots and has such a big financial foundation that they, their foundation, they, they can't move. When God says move, missionaries need money. Missionaries need, uh, come on. When God speaks, Brother Hutter, don't, 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 don't turn him into a deaf ear. Don't, don't deny yourself of a hundred. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in this room. Somebody receive the Holy Ghost right now. You can receive the Holy Ghost. You got to take up your cross. At some point in time in your life, you got to find your altar, and you got to live on that altar. You got to die daily. Abraham had a perspective. It would be better because, listen, life is only just a short, a short segment. Sometimes I preach with a 100-foot rope, and, and it's a white rope, and it's got a little seven inches of it is, is black tape, and that's life. And, and here we are, eternity, eternity, eternity. Would it be better to live the seven years? Come on. Seven years of sacrifice, seven years of holiness, seven years of total dedication, seven years of consecration. Would it be better? Folks, we've got to come to church and have a game changer. We need something to change our game. Uh, if, if the media can put up... Uh, if you can put up my, uh, uh, what, what do we have, a, a Al Copeland restaurants, Popeye's Kitchen. You ever heard of Popeye's Chicken? Al Copeland built that mammoth empire, became a billionaire, died with cancer over in Germany. And whenever he died in New Orleans, he died in Germany, but when they had his funeral, he had a big chariot gilded chariot with beveled glass over window and there his sterling silver casket was in there. And as the, as the mariachi band played and the priest quoted scriptures as they led the, the coffin into the graveyard, y'all seen it? Look it up on the internet. And, and whenever you, you see, there he is, there he is. Everybody say, Al Copeland. 
Go, Big Daddy. Go, Solomon. Come on. And the next one is all the motorcycles and Lamborghinis. And look at this. Look at this. 18 wheelers with all of his toys, his, his boats, his helicopter. It was all out there. Everybody say, go, Big Daddy. And then, and then, everybody say, and then they put him in a million-dollar crypt because it was eat, drink, be merry, live it up because tomorrow I die. But the Christian says, deny myself. Take up my cross. Live on my altar. My altar is my cross. I'm going to die daily. It's not my will, but thy will be done. And then God's monopoly system is, everybody say heaven. Everybody say, park place. My park place is my prayer place. My boardwalk is my streets of gold. When you play Monopoly with God, you buy the truth and sell it not. You're buying, here it is, here it is. Everybody say, God's Monopoly universe is heaven. Come on, love, peace, joy. Faith, grace, I've got to change my game that my life, when I come to church, I'm coming to the altar. I'm coming to my place of sacrifice. I'm coming for healing. I'm coming for my family. Oh, would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's probably afternoon, maybe evening. I don't know how long I've preached, but I know the Holy Ghost is in this house for somebody. Amen. Somebody needs to get a hold of a game-changing experience and say, God, I'm not going to live for myself. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live because for me to live is Christ. With every hand raised to heaven, would you give your heart to the Lord? I can hear Sister Urshan singing from the decades ago. Take my possessions. Take my dearest blood relations. Take the flowers, the sunshine, the rain. Take, take everything but my Lord. <laughs> Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. God's calling someone to this altar this morning. Come on. Come on. Make a break. 
Brother Kenneth, I got to change my game. Prayer, I'm going to change my prayer life, Brother Gibbs. Come on. I got to change my Bible study habits. Come on. 